can't tell if the chemistry is good by looking at it. It wasn't clear yesterday. For the last time, the saltwater pool is a chlorine pool. This is the Talking Pools podcast with pool pros from every region in the country. If it happens in a pool, you'll hear about it here. Everything from tips and hacks to the latest tricks and trends, breaking news. We lay it on the line. We tell it like it is because we think you deserve to know. We now continue our discussion on women in the pool industry with Kelly and Dan. Let me know. I guess you could say I'm trying to figure out a way that when I'm too old to be out in the field, you know, mm-hmm. bending, bending over, you know, those filters and the pipes and cutting things, ways I could sit at home. So things like that. And then uh, I want to start taking um, the PhDA and Genesis classes for building and design. Yeah. Not necessarily because I want to be the builder, but mainly because I want to be the designer. Yep. That's something there's there are a lot of people that do just that. And and with that, you know, it's it's interesting that you you take that approach because um, a lot of designers and this goes for architects as well. Um, they're good at drawing pretty pictures, but reality of trying to construct what they draw oftentimes is just not possible. Yeah. Um, so understanding the the what it takes to build the structure uh, by going to, like you said, the Genesis courses are great, great sources for that. Um, Water Shape also has fantastic courses for that. There, there are a lot of opportunities that uh, give you some some background. So as you're drawing those fantastic 3D designs, that, that you know it's. <laughs> It's something that can be reality uh, as opposed so, to just a pretty thing. So when I first started doing pools, obviously I already knew I did not want to clean pools forever. <laughs> hated it as a kid, knew I'd hate it as an adult. But that's how you, that's the way I think pe- most people should get into pools is starting from like a service side so that you can understand how the pool works and what doesn't work. Um, yeah. And then I wanted to, at that point, I wanted to become a builder, but I wanted to become a builder who built pools that not only was what the customer wanted, but was also for the service person. You know, that that's how I, I started in the industry, just that way, doing service. Um, and everything that I do today, uh, you know, everything that, that I have our team it all revolves around the the longevity and the serviceability. And without the service background, I, I think a lot of people that jump into building either from other industries or or from other even sectors within our, our industry, without the service background, that's where you end up running into these nightmares, right? Mm-hmm. You've seen them. We've, we've all seen them. I'm sure our listeners have seen them where you, know, you, you just walk in the yard and go, who did this? <laughs> like, what were they thinking? Um, Why you know, is the the cleaner line on the other side of the pool where the negative edge is for a twenty foot drop? Yeah, all all <laughs> different crazy uh, crazy things that that were um, just not really thought of in terms of the you know, serviceability or longevity because 
you know, we've, we've seen it from, from our infancies by dealing with it. So that's, I think that's, a, that's thing a great when, approach. I love it. When uh, it comes to builders, I think, I want to phrase this correctly. When you have a builder that doesn't have a lot of experience within the pool industry or does, or, you know, they're just like, I'll just hire subs for everything. If you don't understand what each sub's job is and how it should be, that's where these pools become nightmares because maybe that sub yeah, might be the best buck sometimes even when they're most expensive, but they did it wrong. You know, the gunite's not level. Uh, I had a pool where the builder abandoned the job, went to it, and and in the spa, they put a jet where there's no bench right where the, you know, the dam wall is to go into the pool. And the customer calls the jet now the kinky jet <laughs> because of where it is placed yeah. when you stand up buy it well maybe that was the intent you know um, <laughs> they, 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 say the, they say the the disney cartoon artists always had some uh some interesting things hidden in all of the, the cartoons <laughs> maybe maybe that was the that customer, builder's way of the customer didn't even know what it was until my dad is like that's a jet and why is it there and so the customer gets in because they were we were also making looking at the benches to see if they were right which they weren't either and they stand next to that jet and they're like, oh, this is the kinky jet. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. That's funny. But if if you don't know, you how are you supposed to be like, hey, that's wrong? Or yeah. like, you know, I've had it where I go in and I'm going to put the, the jets in after everything's been plastered and built. And it doesn't line up like it should because the pipe went down after gunite or, you know, all those things or... Um, I went to a warranty recently and I don't have experience getting lights out once they're plastered into the plaster because they cut the pipe. This is a 320 light, so an inch and a half light. They cut the pipe too short when they installed it. So then when the plaster company came in, it did a bowling effect and and they ended up plastering the garment. So we had to figure out a way to not damage the plaster job, but get that light out. And, you know, those are things that are going to happen if the builder is, one, just too busy and not seeing what's going on, or two, they just don't know at all. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And that's, you know, a good builder, if it's a builder who's subbing out uh, a lot or even all of the project, if, if they don't have that that solid foundation and, and aren't committed to going out and inspecting every phase of the subcontractor's work before the next phase and subcontractor comes in, then the, unfortunately that's what homers end up with, right? Kinky yep. jets. So kinky jets. And uh, what was the other one I had all the returns to the pool were the in-floor system. Okay. There were no return. So that in-floor system was going to be on t- all the time when the pool was on, it was on. Instead it was supposed to be designed where it had its own pump. Okay. But because there was no other return, that's what they had. Yeah, you know, in the Midwest, that's actually not very uncommon. That really? uh, the the filter pump is the 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 circulation is all through the in-floor cleaning when in-floor cleaning is done. Their builders do them different ways, but it's it's not that uncommon to run into that around our neck of the woods. Um, 
and I, I don't have any reasoning for it other than the fact that the uh, the most in-floor cleaning is on gunite pools. We see very, very little on vinyl pools. Fiberglass, okay. we never see any. But the And gunite pools are not overly prevalent in the Midwest uh, compared to where you're at and, you know, in the Sun Belt and everything else. So the I, I think it has to do with uh, a little bit more experience when dealing with those types of things just like we're talking about you know right so someone's just doing what they think is the way to do it um but you know yeah there there's all kinds of different things that if you if you had to look at from a service standpoint you you would certainly do things a little different yeah it's interesting i like that we're from two different areas so i can hear how you guys do things compared to us and probably vice versa yeah, and you know, like we've said before, I've I've never had uh, fires to deal with, and you know, everything else. You got earthquakes, mudslides, all the the beautiful part of California that I I don't have to deal with, and you don't have to deal with the flatland of Illinois that is boring <laughs> as all get out. And uh, although we do have similar, I guess. Um, sort of political environments and things like that. But uh, the natural environments are definitely different. Yes, I I will agree with that one. You know, we can have um go to a pool with a bunch of pine trees around it within 30 minutes. Yeah, that's I would love to live in California because of that. You know, you, you can be in an hour and a half, two hours in any direction. You're in a totally mm-hmm. different place. That's oh, yeah, it's really beautiful. nice. I'm very, very lucky about that. I think that's one of the reasons I don't mind living where I do and paying what I pay uh, because I get those luxuries. Now, when my sister and my best friend try to convince me to move to Texas, well, now I have my definite reason of why I'm not coming here. I can't breathe when it's humid. Yeah. Uh, my hair gets oily because it's humid. Yeah. Um, I also noticed that the parking lots are very massive. Well, there's plenty of space for it, right? Yeah. Uh, but I mean, but I'm used to the cost of California. Yeah. And so it doesn't phase me. They're like, oh, it's so much cheaper here. I'm like, yeah, but your hourly rate, you know, in some departments, I've learned pools, you make great money out here. But you have to look at those things. And I was very fortunate that I have a house that I rent for dirt cheap but super nice and plenty of room for me and the boys and my dogs and, but, and pools are, there's in my area, there's too many pools and not enough qualified people. Yeah. That's a great, uh, a great position to be in. Kelly and Dan will be right back after these messages. Have you heard there is a group of pool service professionals nationwide that are here to help grow and protect your business? The Independent Pool and Spa Service Association, known as IPSA, is here to help you. By joining the largest trade organization created by and for pool and spa service techs, you gain access to industry networking opportunities, exclusive educational offerings, IPSA's Tech for Tech route coverage, and more. So be independent, supported, and part of a professional community. Go to IPSSA.com to learn how to be a member of IPSA today. 
you know, and, and certainly different markets, you know, like you're saying, have different um, values, I guess, in our industry and, and different costs and different, uh, you know, I don't know how I would ever survive in Florida uh, as a pool company. Oh, I know. Do, trying to do what we do. And, and also, I think it's difficult. You know, we, we do. You know, we're kind of like all facets, construction, service, retail. And, you know, when you get down to Florida, especially, it's it's not very frequent that you find somebody that's doing everything. Everyone is very much more specialized and mm-hmm. um, and it's uh, obviously much more competitive. Um, so it, it drives the cost factors totally askew from what we're used to in the Midwest. Yeah, yeah. Um... It seems like down there they're improving on prices, but the prices that we hear people say like on social media or during conversations, it seems like it's very cheap for pool service. Um, yeah, you know it's it's funny uh, pool service, and we probably have a whole other podcast on that. But uh, <laughs> you know we people in Florida when when they hear what we are able to achieve in that regard uh, i'm amazed they're not all migrating up here because yeah. uh, i mean we we truly are getting upwards of 500 dollars a month plus chemicals where you know that would be a whole year in florida yeah well in texas uh my sister said that she starts for full service i believe about 230 a month and that includes limited chemicals yeah. And where I'm at, it's now, I want to say it's starting for full service is probably about 150, 175. Um, and it varies. So, some people include limited chemicals. Some people, chemicals are extra on top of that. Um, filter cleanings in my area are all extra. Um, now, compared to Florida, we don't clean our filters as often, but we also oversize our filters. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I, I we, we have some, especially in the recent years with the, the crazy boom that's been going on and all of the, the what I what I kind of classify as non pool people that jump into our industry and all of a sudden are building pools, um, putting the, you know, 50 and 75 square foot cartridges on pools in our market where the, the standard in our market is four to five hundred square foot on a pool. Mm-hmm. So. I mean, I, my own pool is 32,000 gallon pool. Uh, it's about 1,100 square feet of surface area, and I've got a, a 420 square foot cartridge on it. That most years I started up early April and close it down late October, early November, and I never have to clean that filter all year long. <laughs> so, it, you know, and and that's to me that's the way a pool should operate when when we're dealing with homeowners that want to have low maintenance and things like yeah. that. And in our market where maintenance is four to five hundred dollars a month plus chemicals, not, you know, in, in a lot of the, the warmer sunbelts, you know, almost everybody has a pool person come and take care of it for our yeah. our market isn't that way. It's it's definitely a luxury to have someone come and take care of your pool. So we try to oversize like like you're saying and make it that it doesn't need to be another you know, lawn to mow for, for the pool owner to try and make yeah. it as maintenance free as possible. Now I do find it interesting is you'll see online where they, you know, they want a certain PSI on their filters, but where I'm at, 
it's not uncommon to have zero PSI because of the variable speed pumps and these filters being a bigger size. Um, and the pool still stays beautiful. You see great flow through it and there's no problems. Do you find when you eventually do uh, tear those filters down to clean them that not the full height of the filter is actually being utilized, though? Sometimes, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Especially can... if they have, like, a 15,000-gallon pool and they put, you know, a like 500-square-foot filter or whatever is close to that on it. Yeah. And there's no trees and nothing. It's just pretty bare. Yeah. Well, and I guess that makes it easy for maintenance, too. Instead of cleaning them, you just flip them over and continue on, right? <laughs> no, there's a... You can't go. Uh, Bottom is not up. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, they still I they still can filter perfectly fine as long as... I think as long as you can see that there's flow in the pool staying clear, it's not that big of a deal. Now, yeah, if it's one of those single 150, 200-square-foot filters, yeah, Zero is not going to cut it. Yeah, uh, zero would be something that, that would bother me. I, I would change parameters around to even with variable speed. I think I would be increasing speed, reducing overall run time or something so that I'm showing, well, you know, five or seven pounds at least on the filter to to get better better use of the filter. And, and instead of running 24-7 on the, the thing, drop it down to half that or, or whatever to get the you gotta turnover. Keep it. But when it comes to my area, we're especially like the, of California, we're very mindful of our energy costs because especially during the summertime, uh, after four o'clock, it's very expensive. Yeah. Uh, and even with variable speed pumps, yes, they're very energy efficient, but at the rates we're paying, we try to have everyone either run their, their equipment at night or run it before four o'clock. What do you know off the top of your head what you are paying a kilowatt hour there? Oh God, I want I want to say peak is almost fifty cents. Yeah. Okay. We're, it's, uh, it's pretty bad. I, I complain about Illinois, but our energy prices in terms of gas, natural gas, I should say, and electricity are are. Uh, I want to say among the lowest in the, in the country, we're about 13 cents overall a kilowatt hour. Um, you know, when you tack in, tack in all the fees and taxes and all that kind of stuff, it comes out to about 13 cents a kilowatt hour. So I'm actually that's, looking uh, it up. It's it's very reasonable to to run pumps here and especially variable speed pumps. It's uh, okay. It's not 50. It's not 50 cents, but it says peak is almost 30 cents. Okay. So significantly more than we're paying for sure. So yeah, people believe me, they're on our asses about running it. I have a lot. They're like, no, we only need to rent six hours. No, you don't. <laughs> um, but variable speed pumps in our market pay for themselves within two years, probably because of that. We say two yeah. years, but it's usually the first year. Yeah, around around here, it's uh, well on my own pool. Uh, I built this pool in 2006, and I had just single speed on it, and about six years in, switched over to variable. And metering the pump independently, the, the last year of the single speed and the first year of variable speed in my six month season, it saved me a, about $450 um, at 13 cents a kilowatt hour. So. You know, for me, it was a huge savings that 
back at that time would have paid for that pump in about three seasons. And again, our seasons, depending, are four or five, maybe six months as opposed to year round. So definitely something worthwhile. Oh, yeah. But like we had mentioned before, you know, that's where we need to have that education about how to run those variable speed pumps um, so that it's enough and knowing it's enough and not overrunning it, but not underrunning it. Yeah, it's it's definitely a, a different animal than single speed stuff. And there's definitely a, a lot more of them being done wrong than than right, I feel. Um, yeah, I go to pools where it's 300 or 3450 RPMs running for six to eight hours a day. And I'm just like, you're not getting what you can get out of this pump. So let's, you know, change that. Also, if right. you're running it like that, um, I would feel you're not going to get the same life expectancy out of it. Yeah, anything that you're running hard is is going to be much, much shorter. And, and also with the, the start-stop, as opposed to putting it on a lower speed and having it run continually. Um, you know, the start stop on anything is where the heaviest part of the wear and tear comes in. Yeah. So, and now my phone rings because someone's having problems connecting to their controller. Well, I guess that's a good reason that we should that and uh, <laughs> it, it's and it's probably time that we should sign off for today. And okay. uh, I, right. time goes by fast with you. Yeah, well, uh, it, it's it's fun. I'm having a good time. I hope you are. I hope our listeners are. Okay. And uh, I would certainly love to see some some listeners throw some comments or emails, talkingpools at gmail.com with some ideas as to topics that they'd like to hear us touch on as we're visiting with them every Tuesday. So yeah. if you get an, op- get an opportunity to do that, please do reach out to us. Let us know um, what what you think and how how we can talk about things that might help you. So that'd be great. Well, thank you guys for listening again to Tuesdays with Kelly and Dan. We will be back next week with something. <laughs> <laughs> we'll talk to you again. Have a good day. Bye everyone. Bye-bye. just wanted to take a minute to say thank you for listening today. I'm hoping you enjoyed the episode as much as we enjoyed putting it together for you. Listen, it's been a couple of wacky, crazy, screwed up years from pandemic to Poolmageddon. I just want you to know that we are all in this together. If there's anything that we can do for you, send me an email at talkingpools at gmail.com. Again, that's talkingpools at gmail.com. We're here. This is your podcast. We are the Pool People's Podcast of the Pool People for the Pool People by the Pool People's Podcast. This one is about you. So thank you for tuning in and listening. Do me a favor. Click subscribe before you go. That way you don't miss an episode. 